Do you want to bring balance to all the wireless radiation fields in your life, including 5G? The Omnia Radiation Balancer is a small sticker you can stick on any device. It changes the state of the field and creates a new resonance between the wireless radiation and your energy field. On the link below, you'll see all our testing results that show how the body responds excellently once you've made this change in your life. And here's a special offer for the Journey to Truth crowd. Just enter the word TRUTH in caps at the checkout for your 10% discount. It's easy to bring balance back to your body with the Omnia Radiation Balance. Hey guys, welcome back. This week we are joined by investigative filmmaker Mickey Willis, uh, probably most famously known by now for the Plandemic series and the book, uh, which is, in my opinion, mind-blowing, game-changer, like smoking gun type of thing. Like you could watch that documentary and it's like all the evidence you need. It's like you don't need to look any further. Like this is it. It's telling you what the hell's going on right now. And it's, like I said, it's game-changing. And it's shocking and it's shocking how far back this actually started planning, you know, trying to patent the coronavirus in 1999 or applying for the patent. Then, I mean, that's a long time ago. This is a well thought out plan on every level. And that's what the movies go into and the book, obviously. Um, Before we get started with all that, we're going to turn it over to Mickey and give him a chance to. Well, first of all, how did you get started and like what actually motivated you to make this film? And I guess you started seeing all this stuff with your own eyes or what happened? Yeah, well, I've been in Hollywood and working in media for a little over 30 years. So I've, I've seen it from the inside out. It was, it was not always as visible as it is now. It was kind of subtle and invisible. And you'd have to really pay close attention to see what they were working towards. Um, but I, I had an experience at the World Trade Center. I was at the World Trade Center 9-11, uh, 2001, and it changed my life. And, and I just, I, it woke me up and gave me a better perspective to see things that I couldn't see before. It's hard to explain. Um, but I left Hollywood and started to turn my lens on things that really mattered. Um, up until that point, I had a very typical Hollywood career, making music videos, a lot of fun stuff, but stuff that, um, you know, only really serves either to entertain and distract um, and or serves the agenda unknowingly. And so I cashed out of that world and started to create my own company and my own work. And that led me down many rabbit holes. And through the years, I've gradually shed off the majority of my own personal programming because I was born into um, the extreme far left. I was born and raised in California and, and was taught and told my whole life that anything other than the liberal party was evil and racist and and uh, greedy and destroying the planet and while there's always truth in that in all parties um i i I, my that myopic viewpoint really kind of led me to fighting for all the things that i now understand is part of the agenda Um, i call it uh, weaponized morality Um, anyone that cares enough ends up Um, If they don't do their homework, getting kind of roped into fighting for the very powers they think they're fighting against. Hmm, And so I was um, that all led me up to starting to create media. Uh, We have a branch of our company that we call forensic filmmaking. And and so we do a lot of uh, high profile court cases and criminal cases and 
and um, we will obtain all of the video that's uh, that's shot, user-generated video, uh, uh, you know, hidden cameras, whatever it might be, closed circuit cameras, and we'll piece those together to to kind of create a reenactment of a crime. And so that also led me deeper into understanding how to research and um, and really how to see behind the curtain. And so I was in the middle of developing and directing a documentary called The Narrative, which featured all really a lot of the top whistleblowers on the planet. And um, and they were all sharing that they felt that due to the uh, to the um, landscape of politics, particularly around 2016, 2017 and 18, um, and the things that were being revealed that something big was coming and they used the terminology in, in one of the um, encrypted apps that we were communicating through. They said, be, be prepared for a 9-11 size event. And oh. so when the pandemic was announced, I reached out to this group of very brilliant people and I said, could this be it? And some of them said, absolutely it is. And some said it might be. And um, so I got a hold of the only person I, I knew that was uh, had inside information into this realm of the corrupt medical industry, and that was Judy Michaelvitz. And I um, asked her what she thought was going on, and she started to tell me. And I thought what she was sharing was so important that I wanted to get it on, on camera. And so I invited her to my studio. We sat down and did that interview that became Plandemic One. Right. And from my understanding, the most censored documentary of all time, right? I mean, it's yeah. when you have mainstream media sources and just an entire smear campaign going on. That's why I said smoking gun, because they're trying to like put this fire out, right? It's as quick as they can. They're scared. And what are they scared of? You don't, you don't, you don't do that unless you're threatened. And so first of all, I want to thank you. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for your bravery, because obviously you just put a target on your back by doing that, but you're not stopping. And, uh, you know, thank you. Looking forward to what you have coming next too. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to me that this whole thing, like uh, they had that simulation that was five months prior to this pandemic that I didn't even know about until I watched it. Yeah. Event 201. Yeah. So were you privy to that event while it was taking place currently? Or did you find out about it after the fact? Yeah. While it was taking place? No, I had no idea. It wasn't until we had gotten into pandemic one and then started to do deep research that my research team started to send me all of the stuff. And it, it blew our minds even further to know that uh, I, I'd, I'd already been aware of the the strange protocol that the people at the helm of this agenda have. There's a lot of theories as to why, but they tend to um, announce what they're going to do well in advance of what they do. And there's a lot of reasons that people share that they think that that's some kind of a pact that they have with the groups they belong to. And I, I really don't know any of that, but I can just, I can vouch for the fact that they do. They come out and a lot of times they'll say things um, that are soon to happen or will happen in the next decade or so. And, and you know, when you look at Event 201, I, I hope people have seen indoctrination and pandemic indoctrination because it's, it's quite suspicious, you know. The idea of putting together a a, a simulation to um, to rehearse or to prepare for a catastrophe is not a bad idea, you know. And we all did that in school, where we practice, you know, getting under mm -hmm. our desk and you know stop, drop, and roll in case there's a fire, you know. The, to to have that in your consciousness in case an event like that comes up 
is a wise thing. Um, so some people get stuck at that thinking, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with the preparedness drill? Uh, nothing is wrong with that. But watch Event 201 and you'll see that there's a lot wrong with it. Um, it's they hard. knew everything that was going to come. It was all about censorship. They knew what we were going to be short on. And that's the question I ask, the question I ask in indoctrination. If this is funded by people like Bill Gates, which it was, worth billions of dollars, and they knew a year before the pandemic was announced that they would be short on things like masks, why wouldn't they just start developing those right away? Particularly when Anthony Fauci said, we're going to have a major outbreak during the course of President Trump's um, presidency. Right. You would think they would stock up on everything and have everything ready, but no, they rehearsed being out of those things and, and literally allowed that to happen when the time came. And so there's, there's a lot to look at in Event 201. Yeah, it was far too specific in a lot of areas. And even going like the movie covers, uh, even the vaccine, like, OK, if they had known this was coming for so long, like, why couldn't they have started developing a vaccine instead of like put out this pandemic, this fake event, like, oh, it's going to take us you know, years before we can develop it. Um, but but then they started like back backtracking and saying they could get it in as early as like a year or, or two years. Right. Yeah. And, but with less with less testing like there's a trade-off that's exactly right but if they had put it out years before then the long-term effects would be known right now and and no one would have taken it and so i think that's one of the potentially one of the reasons that it was this spontaneous thing that had to happen under the emergency use authorization act so that it's rushed in and everyone is in such a panic that they'll put out their arms and say go ahead and jab me with something experimental um, because I'm going to die anyway. And um, and that's the only way that they could get half of our nation to participate in that is, is how it appears. Right. Right. Yeah. And and manipulate us all. Yeah. You know, they have to manipulate the public to to their narrative. Right. To believe their narrative and tell a lie so many times it becomes truth. You know, that's how they operate. Operation Mockingbird, which you cover as well. Uh, it uh, It's all well thought out on every level. And there's really no. I don't, I don't even know how you would undo it at this point. You know, what do you think what the future holds? What can we do? Well, you know, we're doing a film right now. I was just actually looking at um, the, the, the first very rough cut of it about 15 minutes ago. We're doing this project with a man named G. Edward Griffin, and he's become a very dear friend of mine. He's in his 80s now. Um, but Ed warned the world in the 60s what was coming. And he has a very famous lecture that he gave called More Deadly Than War, where he sat in his library and read from um, chapters from communist manifestos to about 30 people. And when you see this, his that lecture from 1969, it becomes the main narrative for the project we're working on right now. And they literally spell out that they, they will create everything that's being created right now. They said they're going to create race wars where they'll, where they will um, force white people into thinking that they're supporting uh, the black community, but they'll be using the black community as cannon fodder. They will burn down the cities. They'll create autonomous zones. They'll defund the police. And they will create some kind of a, a, an international emergency that will have people standing in line willing to give up their civil liberties literally spelled out and then these books were written in the in the 40s 50s and 60s mm -hmm. and so that's how long if not a lot longer that this uh, agenda has been in play yeah 
Aaron, you talk about it all the time, problem, reaction, solution. They create That's the right. problem. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just. They create the problem. They, they come in with the, or there's the reaction to the problem. And then they come in with the solution, which is what they wanted to do all along, but they needed an excuse. Yeah. And people to accept it and or want it, you know, and that's when we see that happening over and over throughout this this pandemic. Well, and it, and even you you discussed this also in the movies. I have not I have yet to read the book yet, and I apologize for that. Um, but you also discuss uh, big pharma in general, right? So they they kind of threw all alter they threw all these holistic and natural remedies aside, labeled them as alternative. Then they you know they patent all these drugs. Right. And then that's the new, that's the new go-to for the health industry. And then yeah. you see all this, you see all these people start getting cancer. Then they create a cancer foundation. You know, it's all the problem. The reaction is that's cancer exactly right. and the solution. Yeah. I, I highly recommend that your viewers and listeners go to plandemicseries.com and not only watch the two pandemic uh, episodes, but to scroll down and see the excerpts from the movies that we pulled out so that, people can share those. And there's a piece on there uh, uh, called The Birth of Big Pharma. There's a piece about Bill Gates, about the WHO, um, about the CDC. So we really break down these 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 little units of information so that people can um, more readily share them. Uh, the one about Big Pharma that people don't understand is there's a term that a lot of people haven't heard, and that's Rockefeller medicine. Mm. And that's a, a substituted term for Western medicine. And so what people don't really understand is that over a round and over a hundred years ago, um, um, Mr. Rockefeller himself, John D. Rockefeller, uh, was the, the titan of all oil and steel fabrication. He was America's first billionaire, literally the king of Wall Street. And when he discovered or when it was discovered through science that medicine can be created from petroleum, he being the owner of pretty much all of the oil reserves uh, in our nation and beyond, decided he wanted to own that market too. And so he literally demonized, spent a lot of money to root out all the holistic natural organic medicines that were having a, a, a really great impact on our health and substituted those with synthetic petroleum-based medicines and created his own schools, over, overtook the AMA, created the American Cancer Foundation, just like you said, created all of the institutions that would then become the smokescreen, the firewall to protect any bad press. You know, then he could say, well, the, well, the you know, Cancer Society of America just said this in favor of yeah. us, that petroleum medicine is the best. Well, people don't understand that he owns and controls that, that institution, which is exactly what's happening right now. People don't understand I still get people that will say, well, Bill Gates, I, I have to argue with you about Bill Gates because I, I have here seven fact checkers hmm. all telling me that he's a really great, wonderful man who's made a great uh, difference on this planet, not knowing that he funds all seven of those organizations. And so that's the monopolies that they've created to control the narrative. Right. And you even do a whole yeah. segment on fact checkers. You call them fact free checkers. Uh, and you break down Snopes and you yeah. found it turns out Snopes was using Google as their form of fact checking. So if they yeah. couldn't if they couldn't find it on Google, then they would deem it false. Right. And That's then exactly. and then Wikipedia, there's a lot of corruption there and it goes on and on and on. It's all just to create the illusion of like authority figures or organizations as fact checkers or as uh, giving you the truth. 
it's like, oh, this authority gave you the truth. So that settles it. And then people just stop their research there. That, that's exactly right. And what people don't understand, it's this has been the number one um, hurdle for people struggling to get over. Because they'll say to me, I'll be in a Q&A. And they'll say, I've done the research and, and it seems that you're onto something and that, you know, I can't find anything in, in, inaccurate through what you said, but I just cannot believe that all of these institutions would be participating in this big lie. And I said, then you don't understand the world of mergers and acquisitions, because when you have as much money as these players do, as the George Soros's of the world, as the Bill Gates of the Bezos, as you know, just go down the line and, and name them. When someone creates something, any one of your listeners right now can create a fact-checking service or some kind of other service. The moment that that becomes um, prevalent enough in our society that people are actually relying on it for some form of, of, of authoritarian um, information and guidance, they'll send in a buyer. And most of the time, people have no idea who they're sending in. They'll send in some guy named Jerry, some great guy who, who comes in with a suitcase full of money, and they'll say, I'd like to either buy your company or buy into it. And so you see this. Uh, here's a one great example. So, so the Young Turks, a, a news program, they used to be pretty damn good. Yeah, they the used beginning. to be. Yeah. And then there was a time when I was actually um, on the front line uh, during the Standing Rock movement. I spent about two years working with the, the, the Lakota people. And there was a time when, you know, people would just say, did you see what, what, what TYT said today? Like, this is kind of blows our mind because we've they've developed this trust in our community. But now they said this. Isn't that weird that they was, oh, look what they said yet tomorrow and the next day. And we started wondering, like, what happened to them? Then we found out that Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was, you know, one of the biggest Hillary Clinton supporters ever, um, infused $20 million into TYT. And on a dime, they pivoted. Their narrative pivoted, and that's how these sellouts work. You know, it's like they, they, I've had people come to me, I had someone come to me with $17 million offer for Plandemic. <laughs> I took three meetings with it, and the second meeting I had said, yes, it looks like we're going to move forward. By the third meeting, I had to listen to my heart, and I just said no. And it wasn't because I thought that this person was a bad person. They were very credible. They were guaranteeing me the money, a million dollars on signing, and then $17 million over the course of 60 to 90 days. And I just couldn't do it um, because I realized that, that this is what happens. This is how they, they do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like you, you, you suddenly strike, you know, gold in a way where you have the world's attention. And then somebody comes in and says, here's a bunch of money. Imagine what you could do with this. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then you've lost all the rights and control and, and they pay you over a certain period of time. So that now makes you dependent upon them because now that they, they have in their contract, if you read it carefully, it basically says, if you say anything that pisses us off, the deal's off. And mm -hmm. so now you have these people on these stipends. And, you know, they go from celebrating it to realizing, oh, I just, this is a gag order. I can't do anything or I will be sued. And these people have so much more money than me. They will clean me out. Right, and yeah. so I just refuse to play the game because I realized we can't win against people who have done just that. We can't play. We can't do, make the same mistakes that they made. Well, good for you for going with your heart because, I mean, they would have probably ultimately just buried that film right or buried the series maybe depending on it's, who got a it's possible the person that gave me the offer i i doubt it right um but because i wasn't a hundred percent sure and really the main driver wasn't just that it was 
it was just really listening. It was like, I just really need to listen to something saying no. And, mm-hmm. and I don't also morally feel right for getting rich off of this kind of content. I'll be fine without that. Right. And I'll find a way to fund my movies. I've had all of my investors went away. They're, they were all left leaning. All the networks that I had, you know, the Netflix and Amazon and all that, they pulled movies off their platforms with my name on them. So it severed a lot of the bridges that I had taken decades to build. Um, but, you know, the reward, I, I, I'll call it, for s- sticking to my guns in that moment has been I have more support now from really good people who care about their nation and care about all people than I've ever had before. And so the the, um, you know, I, I have no regrets for refusing that money. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, honestly, I, I know you did the right thing, you know, and it's not only it's not only like about the money. Like you said, there's more to it involved. It's it's part of it's part of you. You would be selling, you know, it's it's your work. It's you put your blood and sweat into these projects. And to sell that, uh, there's something there's something to be said about you. And ju- I mean, you just for not doing that. So thank you. Yeah, because, because now we're able to still view these things and still read the book, by the way. Uh, what is so what's different about the book than the movies? Great question. Um, this is the book here. Matter of fact, someone just put it on my desk. Um, it is. Uh, it's very different in that it began as a behind the scenes investigation of the making of. And quite honestly, I was against that. Um, I'll tell you the short story. And this is why it's actually turned out to be a really awesome book. I'm, I'm very happy with it now. An investigative journalist got a hold of Judy Mikovits, who was the lead scientist in Plandemic One, got a hold of her publisher. I didn't find this out until later. Um, and, and said that she wanted to write. She has some major credits, this investigative journalist. She, she's written a couple of great books. And she said she wanted to write a book about Plandemic. And can you put me in touch with these people? And so they got a hold of me. And from their perspective, they said, we, we want to do a book. Um, we're Judy's publisher and we want to do a book with you guys. And I wasn't clear of that arrangement with this, with this investigative journalist. And I, I said, no, I said, I'm, I, you know, I don't have time for it. I really want to make sure if we do a book, we do it right. I don't have time. I just released Plandemic 2. I was fielding all the attacks and media stuff that was going on. And I said, I'm just not in the space to do this. My producer stepped up and said, what if I manage it? And if you're, and she, this, this woman is going to do all the writing. You just have to be available for two or three interviews. Um, is that okay? And I said, well, under those circumstances, yes. But in my experience, this will probably suck me in. Um, mm-hmm. It's never that easy. It's never just two or three interviews. It usually ends up requiring a lot of your time. <clears throat> so I just have to make sure I'm ready for that. And I finally got back to him and I said, yeah, okay, let's do this. And two or three months into the writing process, um, uh, my producing partner got a hold of me and he said, I have good news and bad news. And I said, hit me with the bad news. And he said, well, our investigative journalist turns out she's not on our side. No. And I went, oh, because Eric was really one, my producer, he's really one that pushed it. So I, I was a little bit mad. I said, Eric, this is this is what I was afraid of. I said, this is it. You know, now it's going to suck me in because I'm going to have to try to damage control. What's happening? He said, well, do you want to hear the good news? And I said, yeah, go ahead. What's the good news? And he said, she thought we were crazy. I said, what do you mean? He goes, she just called me. We just had a long conversation. Her mind is blown. Wow. I said, what's going on? He said, she can't find one claim that's inaccurate. 
So we want to get on the phone now with the publisher and her and figure out what to do, because now she said it's too dangerous for her to put her name on it, because she'll be canceled. And I said, wow, this is interesting. So we, we got on with her and the publisher, and I, I pled. I said, you know, I think you should just trust me. Your life will get better. Yes, you'll have to go through some, some hell, but your life will get better. Just risk it. Just, just come out and... And she just said, I can't do that. She had some big pending jobs coming up. And she said, I can't. I just can't. But maybe in the future, after the book's released, I'll reveal who I am. But she said, and the other reason is, she said, if I reveal my name, I'm going to have to go a little bit lighter than I would if I can do it anonymously. So I said, fine. And, and she said, I want to know if you'll come on and write with me. And I said, yeah, because this has gotten interesting now. Mm -hmm. She yeah. basically, she said, not only can I not find one claim that you guys made that's inaccurate, she said, it goes a lot deeper than you guys even suggested. And I said, oh, we know. We, we were trying to give people what they were ready to hear. And so I came aboard and co-wrote it with her. And um, she reveals her whole journey of, of just being having her mind blown and discovering that the whole industry that she works for um, is pushing a false narrative. And so it's really fascinating for, for that aspect of it. That's amazing. And that just goes to show you why we should all be doing what we're doing, because you never know how you're going to impact somebody's life or change their mind or, or whatever, because most of the, let's face it, a lot of the people walking around that right now are clueless to all this information. So, uh, you know, who knows, and maybe if on some higher level, this was all divinely orchestrated. So this would happen, you know, because I, f I feel like when you start speaking your truth, all the right people start entering your life, you know, that's exactly what's happened. And that's why I always encourage people. And I will say it again to your listeners. Um, it's a scary thing to do. It's very uncomfortable to, to step out because we've been wired to be liked. It's become one of the most important um, pursuits right now in, mo in this modern world is being liked. It's no, it's no coincidence that our social media platforms change those buttons from th just a thumbs up to I like you. And now everybody is fighting for hang on, how many likes did you get? How many likes? How many? Everything's about being liked. This is yeah. psychological ma manipulation. This is to get us so addicted to being liked that when we see our numbers going down, we feel like we're failing. And so people panic, like, I don't want to say anything that suddenly people start to, I'm at, you know, a million subscribers and now I see it's at 900,000. I don't, so what? Let that shit go because we're in a very serious time on our planet right now. And we have to wake up to understand what really matters. And all I can say is that I lost hundreds of thousands of likes and people that liked me um, online. What I've gained is true people, real friends, the ability to actually make an impact and the, the satisfaction of knowing that I'm doing my best to leave the world better for my children. And there's no price you can put on that. And so I just want, it's like the moment we all stand up, like uh, um, a, uh, a, a current example, Southwest. Mm, yeah, we just heard a week ago, you know, they're canceling 2000 flights and pilots are speaking out. And it's one of the only industries where they just straight went out and said, we're not flying under these mandates. And now Southwest is bending. They're coming back to say, we're not going to push the mandates. The people have the power. Right. If, there's so much. There's, more, there's so many more of us. Yeah, so much more. But we have to use our power to say, you know, I understand it's difficult for somebody. I always put myself in the position of like a single parent, a single mom with three kids who might not be able to say, I'll just walk away from my job tomorrow because how are her children going to 
eat the next month. Mm-hmm. You know, so I understand it. It's not that easy for everybody. But whatever you can do, start arranging and organizing your life. Save up your money in the next several months so that when they come for you, and they will, you'll have that little bit of a nest egg to be able to say no and go on strike and talk to your other you know, uh, other coworkers and people. Organize it. Put it together. Let them fire you, whatever it takes. There will be class action lawsuits in the very near future where I believe these people who have been wrongfully terminated for standing for their constitutional rights will be rewarded for, for you know, standing out. Exactly. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how all this plays out. And that goes back to speaking your truth, because let's when you do start becoming vocal about this stuff, you're going to find a group of people that now can be also a support system when you do meet that crossroad, right? If something does happen, you not only have a little bit of money, but you have a support system, a group of people who are all in the same boat as you, and you guys can help each other. So, and going back to your, your point on, you know, we're, the, we're programmed to be liked. That's very true. Like years mm-hmm. ago, young, ver- the young version of me was very much that way. Like it was so important to me what people thought about me and through this awakening and wh- what we're going through now, that's all I've been forced to just let that fall away. And it's just like, good for you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's all of us really. I mean, if you want to do this work, you can't want to be liked. You're in the wrong business. <laughs> you know. Well, it didn't happen for me until pandemic. So, so this it's new for me. I didn't know it was a blind spot for me. I didn't know how addicted I'd become to being liked. I've always been a nice guy and I've always been a compassionate guy. I was raised with a mother who just instilled that in me. And so anytime having conflict or someone that didn't like me, it always just felt really wrong. Mm-hmm. I would write a blog and, and I'd often change it or apologize or, or, or try to rephrase it so that I could, you know, and, and when pandemic came out, it was, believe me, it was tough. It was tough to suddenly, particularly, particularly seeing people that I'd known for 15, 20 years that were online distancing themselves from me, trashing me without having even called or to ask questions about it. Mm-hmm. It was really like, wow, you know, this is, this is how fragile people are. I thought my relationships were real, but they just, they, they are siding with the media and politics mm-hmm. over someone they know, they know who I am. They know where I operate from. And so that was really tough for me to grok that so many of my relationships were that um, inauthentic. Yep. And so there was a dark moment of where, thank God I have my family. I have two amazing children, two young boys and an incredible wife. And having that family unit, which is one of the other reasons why the family is under such attack, because when you have the strength of family, you know, you can you can endure a lot. And because I had that strong family unit, I thought had to think to myself, what if they all go away? What if I have no friends? And I was actually okay with that. I thought, I have everything I need. And so having that ability to just say, I'm just going to keep telling the truth and whoever goes away, great. Whoever shows up, awesome. And again, what who showed up are, are, are way better friends than I ever imagined having. They're way more supportive. And to your note that you said a moment ago, we have this pact within our community. We moved a year ago to Texas. And we have this pact to take care of each other. If someone falls on hard times, there's a lot of doctors in our community. And we've told them, listen, when it comes down to it, if you have to walk and, and you run into a situation where you can't pay your rent or your mortgage or feed your children or whatever, call on your community. We'll be here for you. 
And so that's what it's going to require for people to step up as, as a village to say, we got you. And I went through some tough times and my community had me, you know, and so it's like that's that's one of the unintended, beautiful consequences that's coming out of, of this agenda. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you find out who your true friends are real quick. And, and that's what happened uh, with with everybody, you know, everybody who's going through this right now. Like it's not it's just the planet wide. You know, it's like some purge going on or something and down our personal lives and politics, the whole thing. It's just like the world's ablaze. Right. So. And what's really concerning, uh, well, it's all pro, it's all planned this way. Right. They have everybody so busy that they want you working that 40 hour work week. So you don't even have time to research or you're preoccupied. You can't look into this stuff. Uh, so therefore, it's, you know, we're being fed all this convenient food. We're not eating right. It, it just goes on and on and on. But uh, if that's why we're thankful to films like this for the people who don't have time to research, we need people out there putting it all together, putting it in a format, a digestible format, so we can take it all in and be like, holy shit, like I need to make some changes. I had no idea this was going on. Uh, I mean, we just simply don't, most people don't have time to do research. And when they do, if they do have time, they don't even know where to start. Well, on the subject of unintended consequences, you just touched upon another one. And that is the, the people that are at the helm of this stuff are so out of touch with the common person. They're so out of touch with us that they didn't realize that because we have the internet, because they've already gotten us addicted to our screens, that by putting us in our homes with nothing to do and, and deeming our gyms and, and our places of work non-essential, holding us in our homes, what they've done is they have given birth to a generation of researchers. Mm. I know people who I couldn't even share information with. I'm talking family members. I would try to warn them and tell them about things four or five years ago, and they didn't, didn't even want to hear it. They are so much further down the rabbit hole than I am right now. It's crazy. Like this, they, they got addicted to it. They went down. I was telling them, be careful because you can go too far. Yeah. Um, stay balanced. Make sure that everything you're learning is, it, it, you can validate it. Be very careful with the stuff that's put out there as psyop or as distraction or as just plain insanity. Um, but almost everyone I know that I would have bet top dollar would never do their own research or are obsessively doing their own research right now. So we have a generation of citizen journalists that, that were given birth to as a result of COVID-19. The thing for us to be thankful for. Right. Well, and that's because it got yeah. personal. It got personal, you know, you don't really, you don't get involved in a fight that's not yours until it becomes personal. And that's exactly what happens. You know, as soon as you lose your job or whatever, whatever takes place that's uplifted in your life, you know, that's when exactly, you're going to see exactly what you just described. And everything was so extreme that it woke up so many people. They're like, wait a second, what's really going on here? What's the agenda behind all this? You know? Like all it takes is that spark to hit you. Like there's something more going on here than what they're telling us. And then you just do, you just start digging outside of the mainstream because obviously that's where all the agenda is being pushed in the mainstream media. So obviously you can't, you can't rely on that for truth. You know, there, there's 100% always an agenda going on with the mainstream and people, and like you said, people are locked in their homes. They have all this time and they're like, all right, well, I'm going to dig and figure out what the hell is really going on here? And they found 
luckily you you know made pandemic and you know others that have about content that have presented what they've found and you know through the internet things can spread like wildfire it's it's uh it's an amazing tool you know it's just a tool that can be used for good or bad so exactly absolutely. so going back into the, the, the all of it the pandemic series um how much of the research so you had the idea but how much of the research was shocking even for you like let's just say the dig on bill gates like how much did you uncover about him during the making of the film and how much did you know prior to that well, uh, that particular subject was one of the ones that I knew a lot about. I, I had begun uh, researching Bill Gates kind of just by proxy. I, my wife and I were about to give birth to our first son. He's now 10 years old. So a little over 10, uh, probably 11 years ago is when I discovered what Bill Gates had done um, and what he'd been up to. And it, I found it at that point incredibly shocking, so shocking that I, um, I had... I, the house that we lived in, I had a little little room I called the cubby. It originally, it was supposed to be a shoe closet, and I converted into my little writing studio. And I was researching in there. Um, this is 11 years ago. And and that's when I stumbled upon all of the stuff that Bill Gates had done in, in India and Africa and all over the place. And I had there, there at that time, before the censorship was what it is now, there were a lot of interviews from the people directly from the, these poor people who had been um, hurt. A um, lot of young girls that had been sterilized and paralyzed by his trials that he's done in these in these nations. And it was very credible. And I just one day I just broke down and, and had the one of the biggest cries I've ever had because it was the realization of going from. Wow, we have a bunch of very incompetent medical experts in this world to it's not incompetence. They, they know what they're doing. And. And dealing with, you know, that awakening to like, there's really people that would risk or perhaps intentionally paralyze a child, you know, like that, these beautiful kids from third world countries, you know, just big smiles and giant brown eyes and, and to see them, you know, uh, pictures or videos of them just three months before alive and, and kicking, and then suddenly you know, having neurological tics and, 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 and tons of trauma as a result of being injected with experimental vaccines, that woke me up 11 years ago to, the, to Bill, Gate, Bill Gates at least. I woke up to that. Um, but in, in making Plandemic, there were certainly a lot of uh, things that my research team brought to me that I just thought, this, this can't be true. Let me, let me go down the rabbit hole on this one. And sure enough, when you look at it, I mean, it's just it's just you can't deny it. You can't deny it. it's always the same players going all the way back to the Club of Rome and all these different organizations where they all got together and they wrote in their doctrines that they would utilize climate change and, and international emergencies to control the people. They, these are the like some of it are the minutes from their meetings of what they were discussing, how they would do it and how they would ultimately ultimately um, usher in globalism, which is a one world government. And I used to hear the term new, new world order or, and I would just roll my eyes, you mm -hmm. know, Illuminati, uh, stop people, just stop, you know, and, and then I realized that now I realize, oh, that my reaction was that was given to me. Yeah, I was actually wired to have that repulse 
to what was happening. And that's part of the mind control, right? We just, we end up going like, I just get this person away from me. Um, they're talking crazy talk. Um, so to be on the other side of that and to be accused of being one of those people now is kind of interesting. Um, but now, I now understand that there's validity to, to most of that, um, those theories. Yeah, and it's no accident that every movie we see, the conspiracy theorist is is pinned as a crazy one or some yeah. like homeless guy in the street yelling about the government. It's that's all done. That's that's the programming that we're just bombarded with all the time. Yeah. And then the term conspiracy theorist alone is right. was created by the CIA after, you know, when people too many people were questioning the JFK assassination. They're like, oh, those crazy the conspiracy theorists and then ever since they've used that label to you know they've really like psychologically pushed it as like those people are crazy or stupid or all their you know whatever and you don't want to be one of those people you know right. so everyone just, like wants to stay away oh i can't can't go there i'll be a conspiracy theorist and but very few people stop to actually analyze those two words mm -hmm. you know what is a yeah. conspiracy it's when when two or more people get Inspire. together inspire yeah and then a theory is an idea so it's an someone has an idea that somebody is conspiring to do something you know but they've somehow taken such such innocent language and they've turned it into this this trigger point yeah when it's like you know we don't think that two or more people get together to plot you know power grabs especially it's, the the wealthy elites yeah i mean it's like the whole the, all they do is conspire Exactly. You know, the only thing that I, I think is, is different now is I, we can drop the theory. Right. You're right. Yeah, exactly. So, and so what is a fact? A fact is just a theory that enough people have agreed upon, you know, and then that's yeah. how they that's how they fool us. But with your research in the film, um, it, it kind of debunks it, it. You can't even if you go into this with any critical thinking, you can't walk away and say, oh, that's just a hoax like they're trying to tell us. There's no way you can. Like if you actually look into it and take the time and are open minded to any of this information, uh, it's going to be a paradigm shift for you if you're new to any of this information. But it kind of uh, it erases the term theory. Right. Well, the, one of the things that's really tough for people is I, I, I like to use the metaphor of if anyone's ever been cheated on. You know, that's a very usually somewhere within the course of our of our dating life, we've, we've had some experience of someone being disloyal. And when particularly when someone is an adulterer in a marriage or they, they have a, they suspect their spouse to be cheating. You might know, but you really don't want to know, because what comes with knowing is an entire world shakeup. Yeah. It's almost like there's a lot of women who know that when their husbands go out of town, something's something's not right. And but they don't confront that always because to confront that means, well, suddenly maybe he's the breadwinner. Maybe it's going to affect the children. Who knows what ties they have that they know could possibly be destroyed by just the revelations of truth. And so it's a very similar reflex that we have for dealing with this because we've been cheated on. We have been betrayed by the people that we've elected to take care of us, that we thought would take care of us. And so there's very few people that wanna face that. And when they do, 
they go through something very similar to the five stages of grief. You know, first there's total denial, then there's anger, then there's bargaining. You get all the way up to finally acceptance. And so my work has become helping usher people swifter to the, to the phase of acceptance. Because if you can get there, then we can actually start turning the ship around together. Because as long as you're just in anger, as long as you're just in denial, all of that, then you're useless really. But the moment we get to a place of this is actually what's happening, wow. From that moment that we just consider that, we can start to look at solutions to the problems. And, but we have to know that it's like, we have to face it because, uh, you know, I almost hired an, an editor a couple of months ago and, and he said one thing that made me not hire him, fantastic guy. But he said, um, I said, I just want to know, you know, like how far down the rabbit hole are you? How much you're clearly on our side, whatever that means these days, you know, you get it is what I meant. Um, but you know, how far, what do you understand what's really going on? Cause it's, you know, this, this isn't really about a vaccine. You know that, right? Well, you know, I get it, but he goes, I just, you know, it affects me too heavily when I, when I really start looking at all of it. And he said, so I let people like you do that. And I'm happy to edit whatever you find. And I said, I said, you, you better look at it while you have a choice because you're going to have to look at it really soon. And by that point, you might not be able to do anything about it. So my suggestion is whether you work here or not, my suggestion is, is that you suck it up, get past your discomfort and your, you know, that whatever it is that's keeping you from, you know, keeping your blinders on your self-imposed blinders and look that dragon dead in the eyes because he's coming to your front door. Right. And it's better to look him, look, look at him when he's on the battlefield and we all, we're all there looking at him together than when it comes straight to your front door. So there will, there will become a time when we all have to face it. And so we might as well do it by choice and through our own will. Right. That, exactly. That's well said. And again, good for you because you need the right people in, especially doing this work you need to make sure like you know there's let's be honest there's double agents in the industry there's people that are coming in to write a hit piece on you or whatever so you just have to be careful all the time but uh, going back to almost like the southwest thing it takes a person to face it stand up shut the airline down because what happens if they didn't do that then they start mandating the vaccine for all the travelers right for all of us but if they can't even mandate it for the employees, then they can't do it for the for the um, passengers. Yeah. So that's exactly it's a similar case, you know. It just shows you perfectly where the power lies. It's with us. Like they can they can't force you to do anything that you you don't agree to do. You know, like if if enough of us stand up and say no, we're not going to do this. What are they going to do? They're yeah. like their business isn't going to be able to operate. They're not going to be able to to operate. So the power lies with us, but is the, the game, the psychological game is to, to make it, keep us in fear. Cause that's what, that's when you make these emotional reactive choices out of fear. You're like, Oh my God, I gotta just do this. This, this deadly, this virus is so deadly. And they're, you know, it's about safety and blah, 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 without right. actually looking into it and without actually. Right. And without well, standing for your own freedom. What you also do by doing that is become a leader, an example. You become an example for other others around you. And they say, oh, well, he did yeah. it. I could do it too. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's important that we also start to reframe how we think about ourselves and our position in this fight. Because 
there's a we've been wired to look at ourselves as we're the worker bees and then there's a queen bee who's making the decisions and we're just going to stay here in the hive and get our work done and be good little bee, worker bees um, but we have to start seeing ourselves as the king and queen bees and so to speak you know the ones that are actually making the decisions for the hive all of us um, equally and I, what I mean by that is we have to start thinking strategically because we get riled up with emotions. And when we're emotional, we can be played very easily. Exactly. And we have a tendency to think, well, we're just going to go out and assemble on the streets and we're going to make the difference. Well, that might be a really great way to show, to show support and to, and to encourage others to come and join in the fight. Um, but oftentimes that has um, very little positive effect for a movement. Um, it can actually even have negative effect. It can just, um, you know, depends on how the media smears it, you know. But when they rose up 100, uh, a million point four people in Germany, they said it was all white supremacy, neo-Nazis, you know, when, when it was just a bunch of families and people that were, you know, they were one of the first to stand up about a year ago. Um, and so, you know, and then they, the and or it will help them justify a police state, justify more military action, justify more mandates, more draconian measures. So sometimes that is not the most strategic, um, uh, the best strategic move to make. Um, but it can help if you do it right. The, where, where we really have impact, um, you know, they say in, in activism, they say vote with your dollar. It's where we spend our money and where we invest our labor is, is two of the most important and, and, and also where we express and how we express our voice. So these parents that are going to school board meetings, you know, that's the law. They, that's, a, that's the democracy that everyone fought for. They have the right to get up there and have their 60 seconds, and they're making a difference. They're exposing the school boards so much that now, you know, the Biden regime is trying to call them domestic terrorists because parents stand up and say, I don't want you teaching my children evil things in school. Mm -hmm. um, and some schools are teaching stuff that's straight up evil. It's not it's not healthy for children, um, but it's dark. And some of it is really about hatred of their own skin color or other skin colors. And that's evil. Yeah. And a false yeah. history. It, exactly. And so, but strategically understanding that if you are a frontline worker, you're a nurse. Um, you know, I love what the nurses are doing in New York right now. That whole thing about bringing in the National Guards to replace nurses, all that's going to backfire. And so stick to your guns, people. Pilots, good on you. I'm working with firefighters right now that are doing the same thing. We have a, a shoot on the 27th and 28th working with uh, all the L.A. firefighters that are standing up saying, hell no, we're not going to do it. And so by, you know, it's tough because there's a moral dilemma because the firefighters know if this might cost other human lives. We might not be, you know, on the truck when a fire happens or in our ambulance when a fire happens or a, a, an emergency happens and it may cost a human life. And so it's hard on these people who have taken a vow. It's hard on police officers who have taken a vow who actually are there to protect and serve. But they realize that it's the necessary right strategic move to save hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives, and to, and to save our liberties. Because none of these measures go away. One guy had bombs in his shoes after 9-11, 2001. One idiot had a bomb in his shoe. Explosives, I should say, in his shoe. We still take off our shoes at the airport. These things do not go away. And what that measure is about is not really about protection because we, there's a, you know, a, a, a plague of people with explosives in their shoes. It's to get us compliant so that every time we travel, 
we get more accustomed to someone saying, take off your clothes at our command. You know, stand here at our command. Put your arms up at our command. Do whatever. It's, a, it's all about compliance, just like the mask. People don't realize it's, it's, a, it's a gradual, incremental steps to get us into a place where we just surrender to somebody else telling us what to do with our bodies, who we can stand yeah. next to. That's what it's about. And we've had so much of that, particularly since 2001. You see how easy it is for people on the street just to go, I'll wear a mask. I'll put it on my two-year-old baby and suffocate them in, in their developing stage, you know, and, and deprive them of oxygen and, and not even think about what potential damage that's doing to a child who has uh, zero chance, almost zero chance, more of a chance. Someone said the other day, children have more of a chance of being killed by a goat. I thought that was a funny example. Yeah. They did the research. Usually it's like getting struck by lightning. They said they have, children have more of a chance of getting killed by a goat than they do COVID-19. Right. Well, that's how rare it is. But we're going to go ahead and suffocate our two-year-old baby in their developing stage. That's brilliant. And it's not even about the health. At that point, it's psychological damage for children. Uh, you're making children afraid of other people, afraid of a person's face, afraid to go near them, the social distancing, you know. Yeah. Um, you can't right. even, you can't hardly walk anywhere and make eye contact with somebody anymore. They're just looking down. They're all like in fear of something, you know, shows you the and evil this, behind, this behind this is like, they know, they know it's causing all that damage to children and they, they want that. That's the evil behind this. That's the part that's so hard for me to still, I, I still have a hard time. Yeah. Rocking that, you know, that they're they're They know what they're doing. Anthony Fauci knows what he's doing. The man knows what he's doing. He's been doing this since the 80s. You know, yeah. we're talking about a long, long time, well over 40 years that he has been at the front line of pandemics. He's he's done a horrible job at every outbreak that that, that man has has governed, you know, to the point of where people are now comparing what he did with the swine flu and Ebola and all of that. And they're going, it's the same playbook. It's the denying drugs that work for patented expensive drugs that are experimental, that that actually cause harm. My brother died of AZT. That was the drug that Anthony Fauci said was going to cure the whole AIDS epidemic. And it, it killed my brother and a lot of our family friends that, that we knew through my brother. And, you know, and that was, you know, did he pay the price for that? Did he have to? No, everyone in science knows that AZT was a horrific drug that caused the, the destruction of the, of the T cells, which was the opposite thing that it was supposed to do. And it was more deadly than, than the virus itself. And, and now we have the same thing happening with the denial of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and all these different uh, medicines that doctors have been using for 30 and 60, 70 years. Yeah. But I have to tell you, it's one of those mistakes that are an un unintended um, um, bonus for us because <clears throat> there were doctors that would not speak with me a year ago. I reached out to and they said, listen, really respect your work. We, I've seen the films. Great job. I always ask them, is there something that you disagree with in the films? No, 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 no. You nailed it. Well, why, why won't you do an interview? Why won't you? Because I just, I, I can't, I can't be one of those people that just lose it all. I have a home or one of them said, you know, I'm older now, you know, but my son is high up in the medical field. It's going to destroy his career. I can't do that to my son. I get it. Now, a year later, they're all calling me saying, it's gone too far. Now that they're out there saying ivermectin is a, is a horse dewormer only, you know, I have to speak out at this point. Give me a forum, please. 
And so that that's another example of the turning tide. There's some really amazing things happening right now. There's so many more people that have a voice and have things to say, and they've just been too afraid. And, that's right. and that's where everyone's hitting their breaking point now. It's beautiful to see. And it's unfortunate, but I mean, let's face it, to see change, you have to get uncomfortable. And yeah. you have to do something you've never done. And that's what that's what we're seeing on a worldwide scale right now. And as I say in every interview, um, it has to get better before it gets worse. It really has to. You mean, uh, you mean it has to get worse before, before it gets better? It gets, you said it backwards. Sorry, <laughs> and yes, it has to get worse before it gets better. Thank you. <laughs> it has to get worse before it gets better. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is if we just put the brakes on this whole thing right now, there's still half of our nation and our world that thinks that the lockdowns and the, the COVID tracing and the chips, the coming chips and all that are a great idea to keep us protected. Those people are going to vote for that stuff when it's ready. But the more that they lose faith, and every day they're losing faith in the leadership, the more they lose faith, the more they see, as you mentioned earlier, the more they have to directly experience these things, the more they realize, oh, it's not just those bad Nazis over there. Now I'm uh, I'm a 50-year-old mom and I'm getting censored and I can't even say, you know, God bless you online or whatever it is I want to say, something as innocent as that. I can't say that, you know, only moms give birth. I can't say that, you know, like yeah. what's going on? It's, 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 it's so extreme at this point that, you know, people are starting to, you know, and that's a, that's a wonderful stage where they're just starting to say, I don't know what's going on, but I know whatever's going on is not right. Yeah, that's exactly. It's, it's the break, it's the global breaking point. Uh, and it will, unfortunately, like you said, it will get worse. And uh, because all this evil has to be uprooted, right? We have to see everybody's true colors. Um, just who they really are, like Fauci, Bill Gates, Clinton's, you know, all these people, the Rockefeller, everybody that we've been like programmed to like, right? It, it's turns out to be they've taken the villain and made them a hero to the public eye, right? So all these heroes on the world stage right now are actually the people that we should be digging on and exposing. Yeah. Like Bill Gates didn't even develop or didn't even invent Windows or whatever. It was somebody else's program that he stole. Nobody yeah. knows. Nobody knows that unless they watch your film, you know. People often ask me that, you know, especially nowadays, it's it's been I have to say it's been the last couple of months have been really extraordinary um, because we're getting flooded with gratitude these days um, through our website. And um, and a lot of people will say, how did you guys know? Like, how did you know before our world's leading experts? How did you know back in May of 2020? Um, how did Judy know? And and how do I become a good researcher where I know before these things come? Because I want to protect my children and all that. And my answer for them now is, is I don't say don't watch the mainstream. I say watch the mainstream media and know that it's the opposite of what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy now just to know that it's like if they're pushing something really hard and there it is on every broadcast, there's an agenda behind that. It is never for your health. It is never for your well-being. It is never to unite us. It is never to end racism. It is never to end cancer. It is never to end sexism. Anytime they talk about any of these subjects, the opposite is true. Yeah. And so we that it's really easy nowadays to find that. 
And I love it because there was a time when I, you know, we've been doing this for a few years now. And there was a time um, just up until a year ago or so that we could blow people's minds. We'd put out a video and just go check this out. And half the world would say, you're crazy. And then half would say, oh, my God, how'd you know that? And because it was information that wasn't uh, readily available in the mainstream yet, I can't blow people away anymore. Every time I try to bring new um, information to people, they're like, oh, yeah, I saw that video. Oh, you mean Dr. Renan? Oh, yeah. Oh, I heard. It's like everybody is aware of what's going on. And so that's an incredible trend that I'm grateful for. I don't want to blow people's minds anymore. I want them to blow. All, I want us all to do the work together. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. that's what's happening right now is they're literally they're aware of what's going on. And on that note, I, I, I always say to people, and I want to make sure that I, I get to say that here is that um, I said it a little bit earlier, but, you know, don't go too far. Be careful of what of what you say. There's a lot of theories out there and some of them might be true. But we have to be really careful the way that we talk about, you know, weather manipulation and 5G and the things that go really far. And I mean that in a strategic way. I don't mean don't look at them. I don't mean they're not they're not valid. I mean, always understand the listening you're speaking into. I have to be aware of this even when I do um, channels and podcasts that really do go all the way deep. Just because they go deep, I, I have to restrain myself because what happens then is the media will pull that out, spotlight that about me. Mm-hmm. And now everyone who's just starting to listen to me goes, oh, he's the guy who said blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, this is the mistake, honestly, that brilliant men like David Icke have made. You know, I even have to say Alex Jones, you know, for such a wild card that that guy is, you know, he's been so ahead of the curve and has been right way more than he's been wrong. Yeah. But it's his presentation and it's the fact that he has no, no um, filter, uh, no filter <laughs> yeah. to yeah. understand that perhaps I shouldn't say this yet. Or perhaps if I do, I don't just say they're turning the frogs gay. Yeah. I actually <laughs> There's estrogen in the water from decades of of the birth control pill that is actually creating intersex um, species in our bodies of water. 111 bodies of water have been analyzed and about 90 and 130 and 111 were, were found to have intersex fish and frogs in them. So what he said is actually dead on accurate. It's true. But the way he communicates it, then now the media just uses that to turn people away from him. On yeah. that note, I want to plug that Alex has an absolutely awesome film out right now called COVID Land. And I just watched the first episode and it's got a lot of my friends in it. And I have to say they did a fantastic job. Oh, interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. Check it out, yeah. Um, but yeah, to your point, uh, you give the media something to run with when you do that. You could say a million good things and that one thing they're going to pull out of context and run with it. And then there you go. And, yeah. well, and that's what they do. So that's that's wise. And when we're researching all this stuff, uh, a lot of this misinfo and disinfo out there intentionally to muddy the waters. We talk about this a lot and especially even more lately because some of the stuff that is surfacing, it's turned out not to be true. Um, some wild theories and some stuff. And when you just immediately or when you're so naive and you just go all in and believe it, it starts taking you down the wrong path. And it, uh, there's some hopium involved. And then you t- find out that it isn't true. And it just kind of sucks the wind out from your sails. And it, it's actually harmful in a way, because then you start losing hope with like, well, I don't know what's true anymore. So if you yeah. can be 
have the discernment to know where to research, know where to look, and just know not to marry yourself to this information, but just go into it with responsibility. That's uh, what very well said. Mm, yeah, well, uh, I know we're hitting the end of the hour here. So uh, what do you have coming up um, is with Elevate Films? Do you guys have any projects? I know you talked about a few of them, but what's coming up in the future? So we're in production right now on Plandemic 3. Okay. And nice. um, we're just starting to do fundraisers to make that film possible. All of our films are 100% donation-based. That's what allows us to give them away free in the world. And we don't even turn on, on ad, uh, ads for our films. That way we don't want any kind of barriers to the viewing experience. Um, my, my book, I, I do um, really request that if you people want to know the truth, and perhaps even if there's someone in your life you want to wake up, I wrote the book for that intention. And so it's on, unfortunately, we have to still, we're a little bit um, dependent upon the major platforms. Um, it's on Amazon, it's on um, Barnes and Nobles, and it's on a, a bunch of other um, uh, secondary platforms. Um, but to play the game, when, when this first came out, or, or we were talking about the release of the book, I said, there's no way I want it to be on Amazon. And after several talks with my publisher and other people, I realized, I said, you know, one of the media outlets that have been the most dishonest when it comes to me and the smears that they have been, uh, they literally have, have put me in a, in a very compromised position, even to, I would say, to risk my life is the New York Times. New York Times has straight up, they have done interviews with me. And I learned I will only do them in writing now. But even when you do them in writing and they, you have all the answers in the email, they still will lie. Um, I was a reporter at the Capitol on the 6th and um, and doing my job, being on the front line like like journalists used to do to actually see what's really happening. And the New York Times came out and did a big hit piece that I went inside. I did all this stuff and it created a whole a whole issue with me and the FBI and, and everything I had to deal with. And so I, I will say, I'll admit um, that I have a little bit of a personal um, goal to beat them at their own game, which is to become a New York Times bestseller. Because um, I thought <laughs> yes. that there's any better way, you know, to give to give them, you know, a very tall middle finger. Um, and so if, if anyone out there understands how important that is, I, you know, go out there and, and get my book and write a review if you can. It's at Amazon. We surrender to that machine for now. Uh, on that note, um, we are in the process, I'm in a partnership with about six new companies that are creating decentralized um, blockchain-based platforms that will be able to survive any, any kind of censorship storm. And so, but until those things are done, we're still at the mercy of some of these uh, giants. And the only way to get my voice out there, which has been censored every place, is by playing a little bit of a game, at least for the next year or so. And so, um, uh, I ask you to look overlook the Amazon thing and uh and go get my book and um and then all the movies are at pandemicseries.com the books on there too they're all all in there for free every one of them share them with your friends and for anyone who has supported us in the past i i i just want to thank you pandemic 3 is coming up we're deep in in, in that right now and we have two other movies that will be coming out uh, early next year amazing i can't i can't wait to read the book and i can't wait to watch the movies um yeah, uh, the pandemic three. I mean, how much more can you unpack? I mean, you already exposed it all. This one is um, about stopping the indoctrination of our children. Oh, nice. so as a father, that's for me, it's 
That's one of the most important things right now, of course. We're, we're, we're starting our own school. We have a, a new school that we started and that starts in January. So we're deep in the middle of creating that right now. And we're going to create a template that I'll, I will share in the movie for free so that families all over the world, parents all over the world, um, know that there's an alternative to breaking away from public and private school systems that have uh, surrendered to these agendas that are very detrimental to developing minds. And um, uh, so we're really, we'll do a little bit of vaccine uh, narrative just in that we'll expose the agenda to vaccinate children that aren't even at risk. We'll get into that a little bit, but otherwise we're going to expose all of the people and institutions that are literally behind the indoctrination of a generation of children. Wow. And so that there's a lot to say there. We'll, we'll probably have to make a couple of movies about that one. You know, it's honestly the most important direction because the children are, are the future. Of course, we always say yeah. this. Uh, a few friends of ours started a, a series called Raising Star Seeds, and it's all geared towards helping parents find an alternative way to raise their children right now and to and to utilize their gifts instead of calling them special children, you know, yeah. and and it's really it's a beautiful thing. And I love the direction of the next film. I, I think it's great. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, yeah, when, you know, when we're adults, you know, I, I was able to come back from being fully indoctrinated myself. And that took me traveling on the road with Bernie Sanders and doing a lot of things in the world of politics that that I was, you know, directly faced with that, that kind of forced me to wake up. So we're very resilient as adults, but um, our, the, the developing mind is a very is very precious soil. And when they get in there at a very young age, there may not be any way to bring these kids back. And so we're going to end up with a generation of, of crazed radicals that hate everything and yeah. particularly their nation. And that's the beginning of the end for for the U.S. And so um, we're very committed to exposing it and then giving the children help that have already been indoctrinated, creating programs for them to really understand um, the true history, um, critical thinking, how to how, you know, um, how to think and not what to think kind of helping create programs for that. We're even creating supplements with some of the amazing doctors that I'm now in partnership with that will help people detox even from the pain um, and from shedding and everything that we're going to um, discover more about in the, in the near future. We're working on solutions to all the problems that have been created in the past couple of years. Right on, man. <laughs> That's incredible. You have our full support. Keep up the great work. Yeah, yeah. PlandemicSeries.com, guys, go check it out. Uh, the best part is it's all free and even some parts of it are downloadable. This is how it should be. Information should be free, I believe, um, especially when it's this important. Uh, so thank you for not putting a paywall up. And it encourages people to donate when you do that because people see where your heart is. And that that's big. Got a, had a $3,000 donation yesterday. Thank that. Uh, and they're usually, they're usually 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, which we appreciate greatly. Sure. But but as as people begin to become aware of the um, the information that was offered in pandemics and that it was actually, you know, accurate, uh, we, we're seeing more and more gratitude. So to that person, if you happen to see this um, podcast, thank you. Yeah, Go straight straight to pandemic three. That's amazing. Yeah, and and thank you to our audience, our listeners, for the donations we've received. Actually. Early on, we received a three thousand dollar donation uh, from somebody, which totally yeah, blows away. Which blows our minds. Yeah. yeah. So thank you to that person. Uh, anyway, yeah, thank you guys all for the donations and the support and everything. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. I say that all the time. And speaking of supplements, we are affiliated with Hopewell Farm CBD. 
Uh, some really great stuff. And you can get 10% off of that with journey to promo code journey to truth 10 uh, at the checkout. And that link is below. Um, thank you so much for coming on and doing yeah, this, man. Thank you guys. This yeah, has been this, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Really thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for thank saying you. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Good night guys. And uh, we will see you next time. Have a great evening. This is not a time for us to go in a mob frenzy, find the perpetrators and haul them into the town square and pillory them. This is a moment for us to recognize that every decision that is being made today by any of the conspiring parties made perfect sense in each increment when each one of those decisions was made. The sum of those incremental steps has led to devastation because they lost touch with their fellow humanity. But that's an invitation for each one of us to examine how we're living and how not a single decision we make, not one in any moment is without consequence. This is our moment to reclaim our humanity. Our lives are shaped and guided by stories. The stories we're told become the stories we tell. The more we hear them, the more we believe them. When used as a tool, they help us to better understand who we are, where we came from, and where we're going. When used as a weapon, they can be deadly. One of the most dangerous stories we've been told is the one that goes something like this. Humanity is a failed experiment. We are parasites, a cancer, a virus. Human beings are a disease. It is a myth that permeates our movies, our music, our media, and our minds. As they say, repeat a lie often enough it becomes truth. Perhaps that was the goal of the authors of that story. Um, we feel too afraid to have kids um, because we feel that we're heading towards civilization breakdown as a result of... Fear shuts down the part of our brain designed to solve problems. Without that ability, we look for others to guide and save us. In doing so, we lose touch with our most primal nature. We forget that we are an extension of the most brilliant and resilient ecosystem in the universe. We stop eating food grown from the earth and begin consuming products processed from machines. We trade medicines that heal for drugs that harm. We abandon love and liberty for debt and dependency. The good news is our story is not over. The climax has yet to come. That moment when the hero rises from defeat, summoning a force they forgot they had, a force within 
a force of nature. Yeah!